Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and I'm betting you are too. So why don't you get a cup of coffee, or whatever, and get comfortable while we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 77, in which we talk pattern storage. And I am recording this for the second time on Monday, January 23rd, 2012, at something like 20 after 11 o'clock at night. Um, it's really late for me to be trying to do this, so I hope it works out. Um, the first time I tried to record this was at a much more reasonable time of day on Sunday, uh, but unfortunately I discovered after I had recorded the entire episode that I was having microphone issues and uh, decided it just wasn't going to fly. So we're giving it a second shot. Um, and like I said, this is usually when I'm kind of toddling myself off to bed and curling up under my quilt and reading, so hopefully my brain will still keep functioning long enough for me to get this out. Unfortunately, I'm out tomorrow night. Well, unfortunately, when it comes to recording podcasts, fortunately for me, because it's my design study group, and we have not met in the month of December, so it feels like it's been a long time since we've been together, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but that would mean I wouldn't get to um, record another episode until much later in the week. So I'm really hoping I can knock this out tonight. So welcome to Take Two. Uh, from I'm going to be doing a little bit of a Sandy update. Not much, not much to update. And then I'm going to be talking about storage of quilt patterns, for which I've gotten a lot of great ideas from listeners, both through Big Tent and Facebook. So I'm going to be sharing with you some folks, some ideas of other from other folks. And then I'm going to be telling you what I ended up deciding to do. And then we are going to finally catch up on listener feedback. It's been a while since I've been able to do a lot of that. Um, and you folks have been very, very talkative in the interim. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to be refer, re, I'm going to be responding to, uh, some comments very specifically. Other ones I'm only going to be able to do a more general thank you. Um, but let's start out with a Sandy update. I had a very nice weekend away last weekend. It was my husband's um, birthday, and we always, he likes to go away for his um, birthday, even if it's just, you know, like an hour away to a B&B, which is what we did. We were in the Finger Lakes, and um, it was a, a wonderful B&B that we were in. Unfortunately, my husband did come down with a cold right before we left to go. He had just come in from out of town, and you know how airplanes and hotels can tend to do that to you. So we ended up having even more of a mellow weekend than we had originally expected. We ended up actually spending a fair amount of time um, sitting in our in the living area of our room reading, which was really nice and peaceful. Um, you know, he kept kind of apologizing to me for being sick, and I'm like, well, you know, I feel bad that you're sick, but this is kind of relaxing. <laughs> this isn't such a bad thing. So um, we did get out a little bit, and we um, had some wonderful meals, but mostly just kind of kicked back and, and caught up on life, which was um, very pleasant. Other than that, you know, from a quilting perspective, I've gotten almost nothing done. This is a very busy time of year um, for me at work, so I've ended up working late a fair number of nights, and I've been out a fair number of nights for meetings and such, and a lot of other nights just, you know, didn't feel like really hitting the sewing machine. Um, I think I had worked so, I had done so many projects kind of hot and heavy for a while there. I was getting so much done. Sometimes I do that. I sort of go in... Um, what is it, feast or famine, <laughs> that I get so much done that suddenly I just kind of put on the brakes and don't do anything for a while. And I'm in that kind of fallow uh, zone right now. 
but I hope to get some this weekend. I don't have a lot going on. I've got a little bit going on, but not much. So I should be able to get back to some of my projects. Really, all I've been doing um, in the last week is auditioning fabrics for a quilt guild, uh, for a challenge that my guild's got going on. Um, we It's sort of a personal round robin. Our uh, The person running it is giving us an assignment each month, and then we just do the assignment for ourselves. We don't pass it around. Uh, but it starts out with a center uh, medallion square block of some sort, and then you know it borders as they go through the months. And we're only going to be—we're not doing it the whole year. I think it's like a six-month thing, so it's not going to be a huge project when it finishes. Uh, but it will—you know—somewhat sizable. The first block we were supposed to have done, the center block, we were supposed to have had done for our January meeting, and I had it in my head I didn't need to have it done until March, <laughs> so I didn't have mine done. Um, but that was just a 12 and a half in finished, 12 and a half inch unfinished block of our choice. And I'm toying with, um, I think I'll probably end up doing sort of a Mariner's Compass kind of thing, probably not a super complex one because it's going to be kind of small. Um, and I've not done one before. I don't, you know, it's going to be paper pieced. I have done paper piecing before, so I'm not concerned about that. I'm just not going to do anything with a bunch of, you know, a gazillion little bitty pieces on it. Um, what I am trying to do, though, is use my Stonehenge fabric. I have quite a bit of Stonehenge fabric, and I love using it all together because it ends up kind of looking like mosaic tile when you're done. So that's kind of what I'm playing with right now. Um, and then because I did miss my first deadline, now I've got to get the first two done. <laughs> and so we have to do the 12 and a half inch unfinished or 12 inch finished center block and then a four and a half inch or four inch finished border that's either pieced or appliqued. Um, so that's what I'm kind of, right now I'm just focusing on the center block, but I am thinking ahead a little bit to what that um, first border might be. So that's all the, um, you know, fabric-y, quilty kind of stuff I've been doing is just strewing fabrics about on my cutting table with great abandon. <laughs> so that's always fun. Um, listener Ethel asked about the Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival meetup, and it is still in the works. We are still planning it. I've been hearing back from some folks. It's kind of starting to look like maybe Saturday lunchtime would be our best bet uh, to try to get together. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of maybe what I'm floating out there. And again, I'll, I'll put something in Big Tent and Facebook again, and, and we'll try to narrow it down a little bit. Um, but certainly I know at least Francis of Off-Kilter Quilt and Pam of Fip to Be a Square are both going to be there. Um, I believe Nitty AJ might be coming of um, the Quilting Pot. And we're working on Crafty Garden Mom <laughs> to see if she can come down. But with little, little itty bitties in her life, uh, she often can't make those kinds of commitments until the very absolute last minute. Um, and there may be a bunch of other folks going. Those are just the, the ones that I've heard a little bit more definite maybes from. <laughs> so um, a lot of us will be there, and I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a hoot. So do pay attention on Facebook and in the um, in big tent and uh listen to the other podcasters they might be talking about it too all right so let's talk about pattern storage the way this came about was um for the most part actually my quilt area is quite well organized and things live neatly in the places they're supposed to live in and i've got everything labeled and um you know it's it's a pretty well organized space and i pretty much can lay my hands on whatever i need in a moment's notice um, 
but my patterns leave a little bit to be desired. I had been just kind of stuffing them in an old magazine uh, magazine holder, you know, one of the plastic kind. And I went to move the magazine holder the other day to get it something that was next to it. And it, as I said in my question that I posted in Big Tent and Facebook, my magazine holder basically vomited patterns all over the floor. It was pretty much a mess. And I decided at that point I really needed to come up with a different system. So I posted the question in Big Tent and Facebook and said, you know, how do you store your patterns for quilting? Um, so I'm going to share with you what other folks left as their suggestions. In Big Tent, So Excited Quilts started out by saying, I look forward to hearing what others may have to say. And then she said, Currently, I store most of mine in plastic storage drawers. Each drawer is labeled by type, such as quilts, crafts, bags, totes. I'm not thrilled with the setup, as I have to sift through to find what I'm looking for, but at this point it works without too much effort on my part. And I liked that last part, too much effort on my part. I was looking for something that wouldn't take a whole lot of work for me to put together. Pam of Hip to Be a Square responded, I used to use one of those cardboard box organizers you can use for apparel, sewing patterns, butterick, simplicity, etc. But I ended up switching to a hanging file system within a filing cabinet since my sewing room and office are combined. Um, Punk Rock Chick said, I use the decorative file boxes that can sit on a shelf. The top is open and they have a place to put a label on the side. I use plastic page protectors to hold everything together. You can also use file folders in them. This is an example, and she left a, a link, a direct link in her comment. And then she said, I also use binders for some patterns too. I put them in page protectors and file by categories of my choice. Judy said, I also use plastic storage units. So there's a couple of votes for the plastic storage units. Stripe Pike said, I scan what I can and store them on my computer. I also have a cardboard box of tissue patterns and applique patterns and such. Then there is several binders of larger patterns. Usually I keep in the top loading slip covers. In other words, those page protectors. Overall, I have a tiny space for my quilting and knitting and other crafting. Of my quilt patterns, 50-ish percent are PDFs on my computer and Kindle. And something like 95% of my knitting patterns I have as PDFs. The five remaining percent are duplicates of the PDFs with notes scribbled in the margins of modifications I have made. By having the PDFs on my Kindle, I can quickly see how much of X fabric I need for a project if I see it at the store. Now, I do have a lot of patterns as PDFs on my computer. Um, I never thought about doing it on my Kindle. Now, I am curious, Stripe Pike, do you have a Kindle Fire or something with a color screen? Because my Kindle is one of the older ones that only has the, the black and white screen, so I've never really done anything with magazines or or anything like that on it because it just didn't seem worth it. So I'd be curious to know a little bit more about what Kindle you do use for that. But the idea of having your patterns portable is very appealing, and I know there are ways to do that like on other tablets and iPads and stuff. So that's another option. Um, I do, like I said, I have a lot of patterns that are PDFs, but I have also, just over the years, <laughs> collected quite a lot of regular um, patterns, actual physical patterns. So thank you to everybody in Big Tent for offering your suggestions. Now on, I've got to scroll down to find it. Okay, there it is. On Facebook, on the Quilting for the Rest of Us page in Facebook, I got the following comments. Um, Gretchen said, well, I'm very cheap. And right now my patterns are in one of those nice sturdy boxes that reams of printer paper come in. And rather than cheap, I'd rather say that you're um, ecologically responsible. Is that a better term? 
term for it, Gretchen? Does that make you feel better? Um, it is. That's a, a good way to store a lot of things. Those are nice, sturdy boxes. I, I kind of miss the days when I worked in an office where I actually had access to those. Um, Colleen said, mine are all on a shelf, ready to fall down at the slightest nudge. However, I have heard of people putting them in page protectors in a binder. That's another vote for the binder method. Sandy with a y, uh, Sandy with an I, not Sandy Colwell of the um, Quilt Cabana podcast, but a different Sandy, said, I haven't done this, but I'm considering three ring binders with page protectors, putting the patterns in the protectors. There are possibilities for separation by type, etc., either by binder or with dividers. In the meantime, though, my patterns are in a pattern box left over from my clothing sewing days. The box is just the right size for patterns. Lynn said, I use three ring binders and clear plastic page protectors. I put two patterns in each protector back to back. Then the protectors go in a binder. I don't have any specific system for how they go in the binder. Mainly, it is in order of acquisition. Colleen responded that she does the same as Lynn. Um, but she also puts a sheet of paper in the divider so she can make notes and separates the pieces so she can put two in one file protector, um, putting, keeping the notes. And, and when you keep a copy of the PDF with your own notes on it, that's very helpful for future reference. I've gotten in the habit of doing that a little bit more, too. Um, Joyce said, most of mine are in a two-drawer file cabinet that I rescued from somebody's trash pile. We have a lot of repurposers in this conversation. Um, others are stacked in the to-do pile along with the fabrics. Tammy said, I use a loose leaf notebook and those plastic sleeves that worked great for me. And then she also said, another thing to consider, are you really going to use this pattern again? If maybe, will it be just as easy to find online in the future? Um, and that's true. It kind of all depends on where you're getting your patterns. And maybe I should have clarified, I, you know, there's, there's a variety of patterns. There are patterns that you do download from websites as PDFs. Um, and there are those that you pull out of magazines or that people, um, only slightly legally copy for you, maybe, <laughs> out of books or whatever. Um, but in other words, the, the larger size, 8.5 by 11. The patterns I was specifically talking about are the ones you buy in the store that come in those little plastic Ziploc envelopes, and they're all about the same size. I think I measured it at something like 6 by 10 inches, 6 inches wide and 10 inches tall, which, if I can recall my mother's garment sewing days from my childhood, I think it's about the same size as a garment sewing pattern. And those of you who are engaged in garment sewing can correct me if, if I'm wrong, because I don't do that. It makes my stomach hurt. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I have a bunch of those patterns. I do actually use a three ring binder with page protectors for um, patterns that I have pulled out of magazines. I have kind of a system. I get a lot of magazines. I've mentioned that on this um, podcast before. If in a magazine, I only see one or maybe two patterns that I like that I think I want to keep, I will copy those. I have a four-in-one, a printer copier. Actually, <laughs> I only have a three-in-one now. I got rid of the fax. It's a printer copier scanner. Um, so I will make a copy of that uh, pattern, and then I will pass the magazine along to BFFPQF Kate, who likes to get my magazines when I'm done with them. If, however, a magazine happens to have three or more patterns in it, if it's just chock full of patterns that I really like, I will then actually tear the patterns right out of the magazine. I don't keep the magazines themselves anymore. Um, I did for a while, but they just take up too much space. And, you know, I was just kind of flipping through and I kept going back to the same pattern. So I finally stopped keeping the magazines themselves. Um, so I do use that system for those kinds of magazines, but I really didn't have a good system for store-bought patterns. Um, what I ended up doing, I spent a little bit of time on Pinterest 
looking at ideas and I googled quilt pattern storage quite a bit and looked at a lot of ideas there and I eventually ended up just taking <laughs> kind of the easy way out and I found on Clotilde C-L-O-T-I-L-D-E, for those of you who are not familiar with Clotilde, it's another website and catalog for sewing notions and quilting notions. They had the cardboard pattern storage boxes that are specifically made for garment sewing patterns or, you know, this kind of pattern of this size. And um, they come, it was something like, oh, I don't remember now. I know what I bought was a pack of three for $14.95. You could buy one for maybe five or six dollars. I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, I really don't, I think I need two, so unfortunately that meant I had to buy the pack of three, but you know, that means I've either got one to grow into or one I can give away to a friend or something, I don't know. But um, I had looked at, also on Clotilde, and also I'd seen this in various other places on my searches, there are patterns where you can make a pattern storage box out of fabric using um, probably Timtex or something like that, you know, the really stiff um, kind of board-like interfacing to make it um, a hold up like a box. And I, I really debated that because I thought, well, you know, I've got some scrap fabric or I've got some fat quarters that would be kind of cute and wouldn't it be nice looking at my shelf? And then I decided, you know what? I don't want to spend my time making a box right now. I want to spend my time working on quilts. So um, I ultimately just went for the uh, cardboard pattern storage box. But do know that the pretty fabricy patterns are out there if you want to take the time and make something a little more attractive for yourself. So that's how I'm ending up um, storing my patterns. I don't actually have it yet. I'll probably, I should get it maybe tomorrow, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. I don't really remember. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's 1130 at night. Um, but when I get it done and, and get all my patterns neatly stored away, I will try to remember to snap a picture and post it because, you know, that's interesting. Um, but that's all on pattern storage. And again, as always, I would invite you to, if you did not enter into the conversation yet, go ahead and leave your own com comments on the show notes to this episode and tell us how you store patterns. All right, let's get to listener feedback. First of all, a big shout out for new listeners, Amy, Laura, and Jenny in Utah. Yay, we like new listeners. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy the community. I love my listeners. You're part of a fun bunch now. They're they're good people. Um, and I'm sure there are other new listeners out there. Those are just the ones that actually fessed up <laughs> and told me that they were new listeners. So welcome aboard, Amy, Laura, and Jenny. I got a lot of great comments on um, various posts on my blogs, on the Food Friday posts, and I would really encourage you to go read the comments. I, I'm just not going to take the time to read through all of them here, um, because everybody shares their own variations on the recipes that I'm posting, or they'll share links to particular products related to the um, recipes that I'm posting. So there's a lot of great learning to be had there. <laughs> so I'd really suggest you go back, and those are always on Fridays. Um, I am currently at work on this coming Friday's post, which will be the great reveal of the baked oatmeal um, overnight in my slow cooker recipe. This I've been tweeting about this a little bit here and there. Um, I really want to figure out how to make slow uh, oatmeal in my slow cooker overnight, and there are a ton of recipes out there for them, but they're all for you know a crowd. It's like six to twelve servings, and I'm the only person in my house that will eat 
oatmeal <laughs> done in the slow cooker overnight. Actually, that, that will eat oatmeal at all. So what I'm working on is trying to um, find the right proportions to bring it down to one or two servings. Um, and that's actually taken a remarkable amount of experimentation. Um, I'm, ho I'm very hopeful for tonight's recipe. It's cooking away in the slow cooker as I record this um, because I think this might be the right set of proportions, but I'll find out tomorrow morning. Um, but by Friday, I have never eaten more freaking oatmeal <laughs> in my life as I've been doing this. Um, but by Friday, hopefully I will have the right proportions and will be able to um, share it with you all. Uh, but that being said, every Friday, if you check out the comments, you will learn a lot from everybody else. It's great to read their um, their riffs on the recipes that I'm posted. So thank you for all of you who have been commenting there. I've also gotten a lot of thoughtful comments on my slow quilt movement posts. Those are on Mondays. It seems like an awful lot of people want to just slow down a bit. So um, if you are feeling the need to just take things a little bit slower, you might want to check those blog posts out. And also, once again, thank you to Pam of Hip to Be a Square for designing Squim. <laughs> our slow quilt movement snail and with apologies to Jay because she just let us know that she really hates snails. She has a little personal vendetta going on against the snails who are eating the flowers in her garden and she asked if we could please use some other mascot and Jay with apologies because I can feel for you on the snail thing I like our snail. I like Squim. He's cute and he's got the greatest smile on his face, so I'm keeping him. Plus, little known fact about Sandy's childhood, I used to actually have snail farms in the summer. Not that we actually ever raised them and did anything with them, but my neighbors and I would create, a, we're on a lake and we'd get these little, almost like terrarium things, and we'd pull the little bitty snails that are in Lake Ontario, because they are little bitty up here, and uh, we'd just play with them all summer. <laughs> wasn't there wasn't a lot else to do <laughs> we had no tv tv was not allowed at our cottage but anyway um so for me snails are also a throw book you know throwback to my childhood and happier freer days so that's we're keeping the snail squim sorry jay <laughs> um also lots of very nice comments on my donation quilt design fortune once i got it the top piece together um, it is still sitting here waiting for me to quilt it. I just haven't wanted to take that on yet. It's not going to take me long. It's not hard. It's just, you know, I don't like wrestling bigger quilts through my sewing machine. It's not something I particularly enjoy, so I've just got to knuckle down and do it. Okay, um, there is, and I do want to, again, direct you to the blog and read everybody else's comments because there have been just some wonderful, wonderful comments about donation quilts. And I'm going to be um, referring to some specifically now uh, as we move on because some folks have recommended some resources and such. Um, but I always really encourage you to read the comments, sometimes even before my blog post, because I got smart listeners who know a lot. And so you should be learning from them too. Okay, Margaret contacted me um, because she wanted to know if there was a way to get at the spreadsheet that holds all the Quilty Resolutions from the January 2012 Quilty Resolution giveaway. And you know what? Unfortunately, I hadn't thought about that. No, there isn't. <laughs> I've got them all. I've got the spreadsheet. 
um, but I'm going to have to look at how I can then um, put a link for that somewhere so that you can get at your own spreadsheet, at your own resolutions, so that you can track them yourself. So I promise you, Margaret, I will get to that. Um, I just didn't think about it before that you might want to look at your <laughs> your own resolutions again. I'm sorry. I will work on that. Maureen um, had left a comment on the post donation quilt progress fortune. And this is where I, I showed the picture of the final version of what I did with the Roman stripes um, block, the setting that I used. And she said, isn't it amazing how just flipping a few blocks changes the feel and adds some pizzazz. And yeah, it really is. I mean, that that's part of why I posted all of those options on the setting for that block, because certain blocks, log cabin, Roman stripes, oh, there's so many of them, that you just twist some of the blocks a quarter turn, and you've got a completely different quilt, and it is so flippin' cool. <laughs> I just love doing that. So I would encourage you the next time you have a quilt up on your design wall, or next time you're playing around in EQ, just try turning some of the blocks a little bit and see what happens. It really is kind of just a fun exercise in seeing how the entire quilt changes and secondary design and all of that kind of stuff. So yes, Maureen, it is amazing. And um, everybody else, keep that in mind next time you're working on a quilt. Noni, on the same blog post, asked what I was going to do about machine quilting. And um, what I am going to do is simply, she wanted to know what color thread I was going to use. And I'm just going to use white thread because all I'm going to be doing is following the lines of those Roman stripes. It forms a very strong diamond shape. So I'm going to stitch in the ditch through the stripe half of the block and then follow that line through the white half. So you're just going to have that kind of continuous diamond um, line going all the way around. And if I do it in white, it's going to be largely invisible in the ditch in the stripe set, and then it'll blend in with the white on the other side. So the quilting itself will not be obvious except for as it enhances that geometric design. And I decided to do that for a couple of reasons. One, it will be a pretty fast way to quilt, fast and simple. Um, so that, you know, adds into the whole thing about this being a donation quilt that can be attractive while still being fast and easy. Um, but also, I didn't I decided I didn't really want to do anything that was going to detract from the strong geometric diamond shape. I really like that effect, and I really want to keep that going. So that's why I've made that decision. Um, Quilt and Jenny asked if I had seen that setting somewhere, if I just made it up. And it's sort of a both and. Um, that particular setting was not one of the options shown in the book. The strip tubing book I was using did show several layouts, and I used some, several of those layouts as some of the earlier options that I was playing with. Um, but what what this was based on was, oh gosh, a year, two years ago? I mean, it's been a while now. I had seen a quilt in a magazine that I believe was actually a log cabin block, I think. And um, I, oh, I'm a huge fan of log cabinet blocks. I think I've told you that before. And this was one where it was the, the diamonds, you know, the radiating diamonds. So it had a dark diamond, then the light diamond surrounding, and then another surround of a dark diamond, and, you know, so on and so forth. But they had done what I did. They had moved the center diamond off to the side. I don't even know if the whole center diamond was on the quilt. It might have even been, you know, only half of it on the quilt. And then it radiated out from there, so it was off center. And I just loved that effect. And I always, you know, I saw that and I thought, oh, someday when I do a log cabin, I'm going to have to do that. And that's the image that came back to mind when I was working on the um, the Roman stripes quilt for the donation quilt. 
Um, it, it does have a slightly different effect because it's not a log cabin. It's not as solid a look to it. But when I, I just moved it off to the right and dropped it down a row or two um, to make it off center a little bit. And I just, I really, really love the effect. So um, I'm looking forward to getting that quilt finished because again, you know, once the quilting gets done, it's just going to emphasize that design. I just need to get at it. Um, all right, Laura left a comment on um, one of my posts in which I talked about slow quilting. And she had said um, that she, you know, she is an, uh, a slow quilter herself. Uh, she makes time-consuming quilts with lots of little pieces, so she doesn't do a lot in a year. Um, but she says, I haven't fallen into the trap of quickly making everyone in my family a quilt. Um, and she talks about the number of people in her family and then the number of people that she has made quilts for. She says, my family knows that receiving a quilt from me is special. They all want one and they will all eventually get one, but they understand that these are handmade quilts and I am not a machine. And boy, did that resonate with me because I know, you know, there's always that, that feeling that, oh, if I make so-and-so a quilt, that means I've got to make so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so a quilt or, or they're all going to get upset because I've only made one for, you know, one member of this family and nobody else has gotten one. Um, and in fact, I, I did that this Christmas where I had, um, a quilt that was pretty much already done that I had decided to give to one of my nieces. And then I decided, well, I really can't give that niece one without also giving her brother and sister one all at the same time. Um, so I very quickly got three quilts made and given to them all at the same time. And, and I enjoyed being able to do that. And I enjoyed working on those quilts and, and they have loved them. I've gotten a lot of uh, good feedback from that family, how much they love those quilts. So I'm not regretting doing that, but I do think we pressure ourselves sometimes. And I love Laura's attitude to say, you know, you're going to get it eventually. So just chill. <laughs> It'll come. And that they understand these are special things and they're willing to wait. So thank you, Laura, for that reminder. That was important to read. Um, Jay also left a very nice comment about process versus product and whether that also plays into our thought processes when it comes to um, slow quilting versus, you know, fast quilting. So I would encourage you to go back and, and read her comment as well. Lori uh, left a comment. Um, oh, I didn't make a note to myself as to which blog entry this was on. It was on one of my more recent ones. I think it was on my slow quilt movement one about fabrics where I talked about just petting fabrics. And uh, she said, I love auditioning fabrics. Sometimes I really want to do get into minis or schnibbles because I can do more and often, um, but then it's just not practical to me. I see some more table mats and stuff in my near future. And, but then she says, I do like to lay stuff out and be with it for a while. Makes me feel all excited. Love that creative process. Love how the fabric sketches and such fly all over the place. And then there is the process of cleaning it all up, which has its place to closure. And I thought that was a really important comment, Lori. Um, I know for me, when I'm done with a project, the the process of cleaning off my cutting table and getting all the scraps sorted and putting them away and putting all my rulers and tools back where they belonged so that I'm starting fresh for the new quilt is actually, it is a really important part of the process. And I don't think, you know, I don't often think of it that way because I think of it as kind of like, oh, I've got to get this cleaned off so I've got room to work, but it has more to do with saying, okay, I'm mentally moving on from that quilt now. I'm moving on to the next one. I'm providing myself this clean place now to work on my next one. So um, thank you, Lori, for making that point. I do think that's something we all need to think about too, is, is what sort of closure rituals do we have? It sort of reminds me of when I was in high school 
at the end of every year, I would have a ritual burning of the notebooks out in the backyard. My We lived way out in the country, and my dad had this big garbage bag, a uh, garbage can that we used to burn off paper products. This was, we could not really recycle easily where we lived, so forgive my wasteful childhood. But we would uh, burn off the um, paper trash, and I would do this big thing where I would very ceremoniously dump all of my schoolwork from the year into this thing and light a match and just watch it burn. And it was such a um, final moment for me of I'm saying goodbye to this year and I'm moving on to the next. So I don't light my fabric on fire <laughs> when I'm done with a project, but I do very clearly kind of clean things off, get it all put away and provide myself that clean space for the next project. All right, let's check some other emails. Um, I'm probably not going to do these in any particular order, so I apologize for the lack of organization. Uh, Mick Kitty Cat, well here, let me try to do them in order. Okay, let's, Knox Blocks wanted to give a shout out to Pam for the snail, so yes, one, uh, snail has some fans. Maybe I ought to put them on a t-shirt or something, that would be fun. Um, be a Quilter asked about my other blog. I had posted a blog comment about my upcoming sabbatical and left a link to the blog that I've got specific to my sabbatical experience, which does also have a lot to do with quilting and embroidery. And if you want to know more about it, read the blog. I'm not going to take time now to explain it. Um, but Be a Quilter asked um, if she subscribed to the RSS feed on the other blog. Hopefully it will show up here on my blogger feed. Um, Here's the probably the easier way for you to subscribe to it, Be a Quilter, would be to subscribe through email. If you go to that other blog on the blog page, and the blog is Fabra Sabbatical, that one's the one I'm talking about, there's a button to subscribe by email. And if you do that, then every time I write an entry, it just gets sent straight to your email. Um, it does also have an RSS feed, but you would need to input that into an RSS feed reader. I don't use the blogger feed so much. I mean, I don't go into other blogs through Blogger. I have everything pulling into Google Reader, so I'm not as familiar with what Blogger feed will pull up, but I think it's only Blogger blogs, and my Fabric Sabbatical is a WordPress blog. So I would I would um, recommend subscribing to it through email, or if you use a blog reader like Google Reader or something like that, then you can pull the RSS feed into that. Um, Sherry D., uh, if you remember, she had been talking about the book Jacobean Holiday, or Jacobian. I'm never sure how to pronounce that. And I had said I really wanted to find the book, and she clarified it's actually more of a pattern than a book. She didn't realize that when she wrote about it. And she says it is available new for $12 on Pat Campbell's website. Um, and she gives the link for that, patcampbell.com. And... Um, she has several Jacobean patterns and some books as well. And I did go to the page when she posted the comment and looked there, and it is a very attractive pattern, and there are several other Jacobean um, applique patterns there. So that's a site you might want to check out if you're into applique, if you're into the Jacobean applique, um, or whatever. So again, go to, um, that was a comment on the post Extreme Blog Makeover is where Sherry left that one. All right, McKittycat, Marianne, uh, said when I was asking for ideas, or I had posted a couple of book reviews that I thought would make good donation quilt patterns and asked for people to post the books that they work from or patterns that they've used. Uh, Marianne said she has used Quilts from the Heart Quick Projects for Generous Giving by Karen Renaud, R-E-N-A-U-D. 
And she says, I like that the quilts are scrappy, so you can also use up your scraps as well. She also has a second book, but I haven't used that one. So, um, and I'm not going to post links to all these books. I'm not going to take the time to do that tonight because I just want to get this posted and go to bed. But if you go to the Donation Quilt Wednesday post from, I believe that was last week, um, where it's called Two Books for Ideas, and all of these comments are on that post. Um, Noni said that she has used one of the books, the Rita Weiss book that I reviewed. She has used it, and her her guild has used it for donation quilts, and she said they work very, very well. They have made several rainbow zigzags and hug and qu kisses quilt tops by Team Sewing, and it worked out pretty well. One day of sewing and several quilt tops made, so congratulations, Noni, on that, and thank you for your props for that book that I'd reviewed. Nancy on the same blog post says my guild has some patterns available online and she left the link to where you could get those it's the Asheville quilt guild um, so be sure to find and follow that link as well holly said i got cut the scraps the book cut the scraps for christmas on your recommendation and have a couple of those in mind for donation quilts her approach of cutting all your scraps into a few set sizes would make for easy donation quilting because you've already cut the scraps as you go and you know thank you holly for that reminder because i hadn't put those two things together and that would be a great book to use for donation quilts so i should start looking into that because i've got some scraps i need to cut down into usable sizes um, Eileen said she left a link to 3dudesquilting.com, and 3 is the number 3. She said, look for Let's Strip It, Majestic Mountain at the top of the page. Um, that uses the strip tubing method. This is actually on my other Donation Quilt Wednesday, some strip tubing tips um, blog post. And uh, she also has that book and ruler and loves it. She said she used up a honey bun and had no idea what to do with and then finally, we have a new You Know You're a Quilter When comment. Ethel says, You know you're a quilter when you do not toss out a blouse because you know it would make a great block in a quilt. Um, yes, Ethel, I concur, although I've not done that. But, you know, let's talk to Anne over at Green Stitch <laughs> Podcast. She has, I think, done that probably several times. So um, thank you, everybody, for all of your comments. And like I said, I know I just ran through a bunch of them tonight. And a bunch of folks made recommendations, and there were links and all that kind of stuff. Um, just go read people's comments. They are so smart. So smart, my listeners. Thank you. I've got the best listeners in the world. I love it. Um, all right. Let me go back to my notes and make sure I haven't left anything. I haven't. So, um, remember that we are still doing the 2012 Quilty Resolutions giveaway. You have until, I think I said, January 31st. And um, you go to the show notes for that episode, which unfortunately at this hour I do not remember which one it was. But it was back in December, end of December. And there's a link to where you can submit your own Quilty Resolutions. And at some point, Margaret, yes, I will... <laughs> We'll make that accessible for you to look at what you submitted. I think that's it. I hope that's it. And um, I am in conversation with Jay as we are madly trying to schedule when our next design interview will be, probably towards the end of this week. I think we're kind of starting to narrow in on some time, so we'll have another one of those posts fairly soon. Um, other than that, keep an eye out for more information on the uh, meetup at the Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival. And um, report in. I know there's a whole lot of quilt shows going on right now. And so if you're attending other ones, we want to see pictures. 
we want to hear about them. Let us know. Meanwhile, I guess that's it for this episode. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Leave your comments on the show notes to this episode at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. You will also find all the links to how to follow me on Twitter and Pinterest and my blog and how to friend me on Goodreads, how to join the Flickr group for Quilting for the Rest of Us and several other subgroups thereof. Like us on Facebook and join the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup um, and how to subscribe to the newsletter and join the Kiva team All of those wonderful, wonderful things and emailing me will be found at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.